All right, if you would turn to John chapter 2. I read one scripture last night that took me on a trail. It's amazing. I saw a video this morning, and how many of you have ever seen, uh, like, a uh, horse, I don't know what you call it, you know, where they, where they jump the hurdles and all that stuff with the horse? Huh? Well, cr- yeah, equestrian stuff. No, that's, that's a race. I'm talking about where they actually do the drills and all that. They got the little English saddles and all that. Well, now in Finland, they have one, but you do it with a hobby horse. So like it had it had it had like teenage kids on a hobby horse running around obstacle courses, jumping over sticks and stakes and boxes, and I'm thinking, that looks stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry, Finnish people, if you're listening. But how many of you got that impression when I first said that? Like that that just that's just lame. Why not get a real horse, get some real courage, and do it the real way, right? I mean, wh- who, who came up with this impostery of, of equestrian funness? I mean, where, who in the heck thought about that? You know, what happened is somebody was an equestrian horseman, and they fell off, and they said, I ain't ever getting on a horse again. I'm going to start doing this on stick horses, right? So I can still enjoy the wondrous of equestrianity. You know, I'm just making these words up, right? I don't believe any of them exist. And, but I'm watching these people, and they're racing, and they're on a stick horse. And I'm like, get a real horse. You know, do it the real way. And, it, and it's very, very funny. It's very funny. It's, it's alternative equestrian stuff, right? Alternative. This, this alter, what does alternative mean? Alternative means that I'm going to, like, do this in a different way. Like, there's actually another option of doing this. I don't really know if that quantifies as an option, but somebody thinks it is. So, so now equestrian, it, it can be a real horse or it could be a fake horse. Now in America, you can be a real dude or a fake dude or a no dude or a something. I don't know, you know. We can't, even, we can't even refer to a sexual gender anymore without offending somebody. And I wonder, I wonder how many worldly people that are lost and going to hell, don't know Jesus, look at church members like an idiot riding a stick horse. You ever think about that? How many people look at Christianity as a bunch of fools on a stick horse and not a real horse running a real race with a real prize, serving a real God? So I was reading last night, that, that, that was cool, the illustration came after the scripture, I just saw that this morning. But John chapter 2, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I think I gave y'all the wrong ones, it's actually John chapter 2, what did I give y'all first? Okay, I don't know what I, what I gave the media crew. It should be John chapter 2, verses 23. I'm going to let what I said sink in while I'm looking this up. Do you, do, are you riding a real horse or a stick horse? Do you look like an idiot? Now, I understand if you're a true Christian, you will look like an idiot. But if you're going to look like an idiot, look like you know what you're doing. John chapter 2, verse 23, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem 
at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. I read this like six times. I read every concordance that I had. I'm sorry, every commentary that I had. Trying to really understand what that means. And then I continue to read on and we, we get a revelation of what is Jesus talking about here. They believed in him because of what he did. But he didn't entrust himself to them because he knew their hearts. Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman. He knew what was in her heart. This, this passage actually leads up to Jesus talking to Nicodemus. He knew what was in his heart. You know, Jesus knows our hearts. He knows if you're riding a stick horse. He knows if you're riding a real horse. He knows if you, he knows everything. You know, we get freaked out about Santa Claus. He knows everything, right? He's watching you. Jesus knows everything. I can't confirm or deny if Santa Claus is real. I'm going to leave that up to you parents. And then I want you to go to John chapter 6. And it starts to give us a little bit more meaning about what's going on here. You know, the backstory of, go to John 6, 6, I'm sorry, 6, uh, 60, 6, 60. Chapter 6, verse 60. I don't know if you want to call this a sermon or what. I just started reading this stuff last night, and I've got some takeaways at the end of this reading that I want to give to you. It's the Word of God. That's what's important. Amen? So right here at verse 60 of chapter 6, we find ourselves in a place where Jesus just communicated to the people that were following him because they believed in him, because they liked what he did. He fed hungry people. He raised dead people up from the grave. He healed people from diseases. And so they were, they were Jesus groupies, man. They were all about, hey, man, this dude's got some cool stuff, right? They believed in Jesus. They believed that he had something to offer. And, but Jesus begins a conversation, a dialect, in, earlier in chapter 6, where he starts proclaiming this weird stuff. And it begins to say, I am the bread of life. And whoever eats of me shall live eternal. And I am, I am the blood. And whoever drinks of this blood. And the people are looking at him going, what the heck are you talking about? You see, they followed him up to the point where everything was received, 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 received. But they got to a junction in their relationship of this following Christ where things didn't make sense and they didn't understand them. And they were hard to hear, they said. And it said they all turned away and left him. They left Jesus. They, they walked away from Jesus. You know, we, we, we deal with rejection in life sometimes. I mean, we, we break up with our boyfriends and our girlfriends and stuff like that. We have people, you know, get mad at us over stupid reasons and leave and... And, and, and here's Jesus, done all that he, he's done, but now he begins to put truth into, into perspective, and they just like, we can't handle the truth. 
you know, Jesus, you know, Jack Nicholson could have been right beside Jesus and said, you can't handle the truth. And they all left. And so, and so then after, after that, all, after all these people leave that have been following Jesus, I mean, dude, they were groupies. They were like, man, what's he going to do next? What's he going to feed us next? What's he going to do for us next? How's he going to take care of us next? What's he going to have to do for me next? And in John chapter 6, verse 60, he says, When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? You ever find yourself in church going, My God, this is hard. Who can listen to it? When what was read was just scripture, the word of God, which is good for correction, reproof, and teaching, instruction in righteousness. But Jesus, knowing in himself, because why? Jesus knows everything, right? That his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Remember that. It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Proclaiming who he was. Not what he was doing, but who he was. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. You know, it's amazing when you think about it. No one come to the Father but through Jesus and no one come through Jesus but by the permission of the Father. It shows how God is, is at work in our relationship. You know, repentance and salvation is granted. Conviction, the Holy Spirit is necessary for us to even be aware or enlightened that we need Jesus. You just don't, you don't get it without the help of the Spirit to reveal it to you that I'm lost. I'm going to hell. I need Jesus. You know, I grew up in church my whole life, and it wasn't until I was, you know, in my early 20s in the Marine Corps going, wait, I'm lost. I'm going to hell. I need Jesus. I knew all about the wonderful things that Jesus could do for me in my finances and in my marriage and all that stuff. But, but I knew Jesus. I knew Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, who takes away the sins of the world. I knew Jesus the man, but I didn't know Jesus as God. You see, that's what he says. He says the Spirit gives life. See, they, they knew Jesus as a powerful miracle worker. They knew him as a man. And we know this about Jesus. He was, he was fully man and he was fully God. Amen? See, they knew Jesus the man, but they didn't know Jesus God. They didn't know Jesus the Son of God. It, it, you know, when, when, you, when you listen to Peter, Peter, what did Jesus t ask Peter, you know, when, when he told him, I'll give you, I'll, let me read it to you real quick. Matthew 16, verse 15. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? You see, it ain't about what Jesus does. It's who he is. Amen? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Listen, 
For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven. No man can come to Christ but how? Through the Father. Unless the Father draws him. Unless the Father drags him. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You see, that's the real horse race. That's the real horsey. With a real rider. With a real work of God. With a real objective. You see, some people, in, in the, the, the reason why so many people are, are look like ding-dongs in the house of God riding a hobby horse is because they know Jesus the man, but they don't know Jesus the Christ. There's been a physical flesh thing that's come around, but they, they haven't had a spiritual regeneration, born-again experience where they know Jesus the Christ. And they try to play church. And they try to walk around. You remember the little plastic keys, you know, when you were a kid that Mattel or Play School or whatever had? You know, there were the big old colorful keys on a key ring. That looks like some of the keys that, that, that we try to carry around as Christians, and they're nothing but mere toys. They're not the real keys because we haven't had a real revelation of who Jesus is as the Christ. We haven't had a born-again experience. And, and so we wonder why these little plastic keys aren't unlocking doors and why things aren't happening and why there's no true expression of a, of a, of a God-given faith in our hearts and in our lives and our minds. Why we say that we're spiritual but we walk and act and talk like natural-minded people who discerneth not the things of God for their foolishness to him, and neither can they discern them for their spiritually discerned. I mean, think about it. Jesus says many will, many will say, Lord, Lord. You know, when we're all judged to go to heaven, he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Do you know Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah? Not the dude who is recorded in history that walked around and did a bunch of awesome, cool things. I know people that do awesome, cool things, but you know what? That's, that's fine. That's, that's the, you know, going back to 2.23, he says this. He says in uh, 2.25, and needed no one to bear witness about man. Jesus said, I don't need anybody to bear witness about me as a man. I need, I need people to bear witness about me, about who I am spiritually. I am the Son of God. I am God in the flesh. So we see Peter. Peter recognized who he was. The Christ, the Son of God. And that's why Peter got the real keys of the kingdom. The real horse, not the hobby horse version, but the real version of the kingdom of God. The actual physical thing that God is wanting to give to each and every one of us. But Jesus says, going back to John 6, he says in verse 64, But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who, were, who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And listen to the next verse. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. You notice the verse that is? John 6, 6, 6. 
You know what these people were? Anti-Christ. They were pro-Jesus. You know, and I think that's just, I don't know, I just, I'm not that much into numbers, but it made sense to me. I'm like, wow, 666, and they're very anti-Christ. But you know what? They were pro-Jesus. They were pro-Jesus, but anti-Christ. They loved the things that Jesus did. They loved, up till this point, things that Jesus said. You know what, though? The reason why they liked the things that Jesus said, because they had no idea what he was saying. But now he's saying stuff that they're, they, they kind of got it, but they didn't like what they were hearing. But they still didn't get it. <laughs> he wasn't saying, be a cannibal and you'll go to heaven. He didn't say, come over here and you know, start eating on me. You turn into zombies and devour me. That's not what Jesus was saying. They didn't get it because they didn't believe. They believed in Jesus, but they didn't believe in the Christ, the Son of the living God. So they were antichrist, and they left him. So Jesus said to the twelve, now remember Peter, right? Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of God. And this is so awesome. And so Jesus said to the twelve, do you want me to go away as well? Or do you want to go away as well? Do you want to leave me too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to, to whom shall we go? Well, I just saw that. I thought he said, where, where, to where am I going to go? No, he didn't say, where am I going to go? Because that's physical. That's fleshly. He said, to whom? To whom am I going to go? There is nobody else. You see, well, all these people that just left Jesus, they went to find somebody else. Somebody that they believed in. Somebody that made sense. But Peter says, to whom shall I go? The days that I go back to my cabin in Montana, you know, and you're having one of those days where you're just mad and just sick of it and like dead gummit, tired. I'm always reminded, but who's going to be there for you? If you're alone, who's going to be there for you? If you go to a cabin by yourself, Who's going to be there for you? Nobody. I need to go where Jesus goes. I need to walk where Jesus walks. I need to follow the Christ. Not Jesus the man, but Jesus the Son of God. He takes away the sins of the world. But Jesus says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Do I not, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying today? Are you, are you like the true disciples or the false disciples to, to, to understand what Jesus is saying here? They believed in Jesus the man, but not Jesus the Son of God. 
They didn't possess the true kingdom keys like Peter did. Peter did because he says, you are, you are the Christ. You're the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, this is John writing, right? Flash forward to 1 John. 1 John, right? The one, you know, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John later on. This is what John has to say. See, John, John was there, right? He's writing about it. He done, he's done lived this experience. He's walked with Christ. He's seen people leave Christ. He's seen the real. He's seen the, the fake. He's seen the physical. He's seen the spiritual. And uh, in 1 John 2, 19 through 20, he says this. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been with us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be become plain that they are all not of us. He says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge of the Holy One. You've been granted that, that you know, you're not the natural man that discerneth not the things of God. You're the spiritual man. You have knowledge of the Holy One. You're able to say, Jesus, you are the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen? You see, that's, that's but how did Peter, like us and like Peter, how do we get that ability to do that? Because it has been revealed to us spiritually. Not through the, the physical, not through the flesh. And Jesus says he didn't, want, he didn't want to take credit as Jesus the man. He wanted credit as Jesus, the Son of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And he wanted to give us real keys that opened real doors and, and you know, in this, you know from, from spiritual ramifications and, and not be walking around with, with play school keys that are plastic and colorful and they look cool, but they don't do anything. You, you understand? Jesus wants us to know him for who he is completely. In John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The miracles, the provision, those things don't set you free. The truth sets you free. How long did those people follow Jesus? Up to the point of truth. And truth was spoken, and they left. Truth was spoken, and they gave up. Truth was spoken, and they no longer followed. You, you go back to the sowing of the seed. You know, in, in, in the Gospels, it talks about the farmer that sow, was sowing the seed, and there was four scenarios, but only one scenario was the heart prepared for the seed of the Gospel. Was it fertile? Was it, was it tilled up? The other instances, you know, they, they, they liked it until it came to the truth. To where truth, we, we accept the truth until it messes with our worldly lives. We accept the truth until it begins to tear up the weeds that I like in my life. Until it takes out the thorns and thistles that I like in my life. And the, and the gospels say in, the, in that parable of the sower that those people, they liked the gospel, but the weeds and the thorns choked out the seed, and it gave no fruit. You see, truth is what matters most. The natural person does not accept the things of God. 
No, they don't accept the, listen, listen. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They don't accept the spiritual things. But anybody will take the handouts. Anybody will take the handouts. You see, things change when we get a spiritual revelation of who Jesus is rather than just what he can physically do for us. You see, because the problem is when you start out with that mentality, you start out with a, surf, a, surf, a self-serving gospel. And the Bible says, take up your cross and follow me. You know, the invitation to the gospel is just the first call. It's come and die. Come and die. Come and die. Come and die. But some people look at that and like, these words are hard. We're going elsewhere. We're going to go find somebody else who to follow. And the problem is, is they're looking at, they're, they, they, don't, they don't have a clue what's going on because they can't spiritually hear what Jesus is saying. And the call is to come and die so that what? You may live. Jesus says if, if anyone saves his life, he will lose his life. But if anyone will lose his life for my sake, he will gain eternal life. Amen. See, these things don't make sense to people. But we wonder why so many people are in churches today have no power, have no, have no clue. Listen, we're all being sanctified. God is working on us and through us, and we're going through fires and burning dross off and turning into more refined things, but some people ain't being refined. They're just living worldly lives, professing that they know this physical man named Jesus, and they're riding a hobby horse. Riding a hobby horse. And the world's looking, going, well, that, that's simple, I can do it too. But the problem is, after a while, they're like, you know what? This ultimately doesn't do me any good. I'm just riding a hobby horse. You see, when we get a revelation of who Jesus is, things don't change. You see, a, flesh, a fleshly, natural-minded person, they would base what they think their relationship with is on Jesus, on what's going on around them. You know? Like, is it good? Is it bad? Is it sad? Is it whatever? And the thing is, is, is the, the dynamics of life change. And when you put your faith in constantly changing things, then it leaves you desperate. But here's the thing. When you put your faith in who Jesus is as the Christ, that never changes. It doesn't matter what kind of day you're having. It doesn't matter who's the president. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if your house burns down. It doesn't matter if you win a million dollars. Jesus is still Jesus. Amen? Because it's the who. It's not, it's not the what he does that, that, that ministers to the flesh. It's who he is in the spirit. He's Jesus. Not Jesus a man, but Jesus the son of God. You know, there's, there's been heresies that came out of that. Some people thought, some people that claimed to be Christian would say that Jesus was a man of God, but he was not God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And the word was with God. And the word became flesh and walked among men. He is God. He's not, he's, not, he's not just some emissary or an ambassador. He is God. So we see that people that follow Jesus, they followed him as the man Jesus. They didn't know him as the son of God. 
And, and those are going to be the people that say, at Judgment Day, saying, hey, well, we did these things in your name. Wow, I'm just now seeing that. I'm like, how's that possible? Because I'm like, well, how in, the heck, how in the heck can you do things in the name of Jesus and not be a Christian? Because they did it in the name of the man Jesus, not Jesus, the Son of God. They didn't know him. And Jesus says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I, didn't, I never knew you. Never. See, these people that were calling them disciples that left him, they weren't disciples. They didn't use that word in every version. I don't know why they chose to do it in this one. I mean, it would probably be a good word study to look at. But the point is, is they left him, and Jesus knew from the beginning who was with him and who was going to leave him, he said. Jesus knew Judas was going to burn him. And it says here that Jesus knew that all those people were going to leave him. And you know what? There may be some of you today riding on a hobby horse that have heard of the man Jesus. You like the fact that he blesses some of us financially. You know, when I was lost, I tithed. You know that? I, was, I tithed when I was lost. But I picked and choose what I wanted to fit my taste because I wanted an alternative Christianity. I don't want to ride a real horse. I want to ride on a hobby horse. And now looking back at it, I look like a complete idiot. Why would I give money to a system that I didn't truly believe in? You know what I mean? The, the, only, the only time that I actually talked about the Bible when I was drunk around a campfire. You know, good old boy conversations that some of you may have at the lake or at the campgrounds and stuff, you know. Oh, yeah, let me tell you about Jesus. Give me, give me another beer. Hey, it, you know, a couple's fine. I'm not saying drinking's. I want to make that clear. Drunkenness is wrong. Amen. And, and, and so, but, but what we do is we, we like what Jesus can do for us, but we're not willing to die and give Jesus nothing. And that is not the gospel call. The gospel call is come and die that you may live. And we come in, we walk the aisle, and we go back to our fornication and our adultery and our drunkenness and our drug habits and all these things. And we're like, well, Jesus is still working on me. Well, he, ain't have, he has nothing to work with because you've given him nothing. And we wonder why we're running around on a hobby horse and nothing's happening in our lives. You know, Peter says this, 1 Peter 4, 17. He says, he talks about suffering. He says, don't be surprised. Let me, let me go to it. This might be some deeper stuff y'all want to talk about today, but I'm sorry. 1 Peter 4, 17. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So he's talking about trials, right? And, and like Gary Stewart says, the church has, the, the, has a, a poor, poor, poor theology of suffering. Poor, because it happens. We're actually called to it, and there's actually a purpose for it. But you need to define the type of suffering and why you are suffering. And that's what Peter's about to do. So, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. To test what? Do you know Jesus, the Son of the living God, who takes away the sins of the world? But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. 
If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Have you ever been insulted for the name of Jesus? If you haven't, you might ought to want to be. But let none of you suffer. Listen. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or of an evildoer or as a meddler. How many of us suffer not because we're serving God, but because we are doing a disservice? You see, some of us are suffering because we do dumb things. We play dumb games and win stupid prizes. And we're like, well, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, you're suffering because you're serving your flesh and not your spirit. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Some of us need to be ashamed of some of the things that we suffer for. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. Where? Where does it start? Here with us. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly or the sinner? So Peter is saying here, if you're going to suffer, suffer for doing godly things. Don't suffer for doing worldly things. And if you're doing worldly things, be ashamed of them and repent. Repent. Here's the deal. If you're a child of God, God still loves you. Amen. Because it's a who that doesn't fluctuate. The, the who-ness of God, the who-ness of Jesus, and the who-ness of the Holy Spirit don't change. Amen. It's us. It's our flakiness. It's our craziness. And he's saying, if you're going to suffer, suffer for doing good. So, you, so, I mean, I'm not saying if you do bad, you're lost. I'm saying you can do stupid things as a Christian, too. But, we, but the thing is, we cannot be affected by the hobby horse riders. We cannot be affected by the play school key holders. We are children of God. We should be like Peter, have the faith of Peter, believe in not just Jesus the man, but believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who empowers us to live the life that he's called us to do. There's some things that we should be ashamed of in the church today. Some of us are suffering because we're not, we're not ashamed of what we do because, because we are letting natural mindedness affect our spiritual minds or we just don't have a spiritual mind, period. It's one or the other. Why? That's, what, that's something you're going to have to discern. But, but we are justifying things that God asks us not to do. Marriage gets rocky, ah, get a divorce. Finances get tough, well, just quit giving to God and take care of your finances. You know, there's no faith in the things that, that a natural man will not ask you to do anything that requires faith. A natural man will, will, or a natural-minded person or a person that is not walking in the spirit of Christ, the mind of Christ, will, whenever he advises you, he will advise you to do things that take no faith, that take no trust, that take no obedience to the word of God. Because they don't expect that the word of God is going to produce the fruit that the word of God says it does. Double-minded in all your ways. When you provide wisdom, what you call wisdom, that totally clashes with the word of God, what the heck are you thinking? 
You are not thinking with a spiritual mind. You are thinking with your flesh. You are thinking with the worldly ways. And so three things that I want, I want you guys to take away from this today is the first thing is this, is we can't rely on works without truth to see people truly come to Christ. What I'm saying is this, is we can, we, we, and we should, we should love people, take care of people, feed people, meet their needs, but, without, but not without sharing the truth of the gospel. Man, we have gotten so comfortable with introducing people to Jesus the man, but they don't know Jesus Christ. And Ray Vick used to say this all the time at Fletcher Dad said. He said, if you catch them with a weenie, you got to keep them with a weenie. If you catch them with a weenie, you got to keep them with a weenie. You see, if you catch them with a self-serving thing, you got to keep them with self-serving things. And they're never going to come. They're never going to die. They're never going to repent and believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just the man, but they're going to keep living their life and riding a hobby horse and playing with plastic keys and having no effect on their life or the world around them. And one day they'll stand in heaven or stand at judgment and they'll look at Jesus and they'll say, Hey, I went to church at Gateway. I went to church in Hardin County. I went to church in Texas. I went to church somewhere in the world and I prayed to you and I did all these cool things for you. And he's going to say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because I never knew you. Not that the opportunity was given. But we can't start off with a self-serving gospel. It's got to be a christ Serving gospel. Come and die. That song that Kenny Chesney sings, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Do you realize what he's saying that he don't even know that he's saying? He's talking about a physical death. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die right now spiritually. Nobody wants to die right now. You see, it was interesting in the time of my life that I got saved because when I was just a preacher's kid, I didn't really have nothing to give up. But when I was a sergeant, Marine Corps scout sniper, one day they'll make a G.I. Joe doll in my likeness. And the actual 12-inch size will still be 6 inches tall because I'm short. And my battalion commander is saying, look, don't, don't leave the Marine Corps because you can go over here. You can train SEALs and special forces and all that other stuff. Even though nobody but Marines you know, deserve Marine Corps knowledge. And so... So I'm like, man, all these things were through before me. You know, I mean, kind of like Christ when, when Jesus is, you know, Satan saying, if, well, if you really are the Christ, you know, do this. If you are the Son of God. What was questioned by Satan if you are the Son of God? What did God just tell Jesus right before that when he got baptized? This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Has God ever said that about you? Not pleased in the fact that you're perfect, but pleased in the fact that he has imputed righteousness to you because you know Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Because of that. But you see, when I got saved, I actually like, had some worldly stuff that I had to throw on the table. And I went from a dead gum worldly thinking that I had really accomplished something, and I gave up all that just to go right back to A&B Builders It'd be a dead gun bolt-up hand where I was four years earlier. Losing two-thirds of my income. Coming back to Hardin County, of which I never planned on even visiting again. <laughs> we were going to Austin. 
not where all the crazy people are, but, you know, all the rednecks and stuff on the outskirts. I mean, we were, we were going to, I was going to Montana. I was going anywhere but Lumberton, anywhere but Coots, you see. But, but God said, no, that's where I'm calling you to. This is what I'm asking you to give up. So I had to give up everything that I had. I had to change my direction. I had to lay it on the floor. And, say, and, and this is my words to God. I said, God, I give you all that I have to do what you've called me to do. And I did it. I did it. Immediately, I got out. I mean, it was three months. The timing was perfect. I got out of the Marine Corps. The very last night I spent in the Marine Corps, I had my blues on, and we had a mess night, and I was with my brothers. And the battalion commander was making me all these offers. I said, no, sir, I've got to go. I've got to go. I've made a commitment. I finished my four-year commitment with you guys. Now I've got a lifelong commitment to fulfill to Jesus Christ. That's, the, that's when I got saved. Not when I knew Jesus the man in church and how he fed the 5,000 and all that cool stuff, which is good. The second thing is this, is we can't be so self-centered that we make the rejection. When we're rejected, Jesus, God says, that, or Jesus says that you're blessed when you're rejected, when you're persecuted for the sake of the gospel. He says, but we, but we can't make ourselves so self-centered that the rejection is about us. Because if, if it's about us, we will respond in fleshly, worldly ways. We will respond in ways that, that, that aid our cause and not the cause of God. We will bow down. We will, we will capitulate. We will, we will manipulate. You know, the Bible says that in, in, in Samuel, when, when Samuel, uh, when Saul did all those things that he wasn't supposed to do, and he started seeking uh, you know, counsel from necromancers and all that stuff, you know, Samuel told uh, Saul, he says, he says that manipulation, which what Saul was doing, Saul never obeyed God. He tried to make things happen the way he wanted them to do, how he wanted them to do it, when he wanted to do it. And Samuel told him, he says, he says that manipulation is as the spirit, in the old King James Version says, of witchcraft. 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 Yeah, you can be, and here's the deal about Jezebel. Jezebel is not, it's, it's, you can be a dude Jezebel, a woman Jezebel, it don't matter. So all you guys are like, yeah, keep it on the women's side. No, Jezebel can affect anybody. And, and we do, when you, when you begin to manipulate the word of God to fit your need, you are performing witchcraft. I don't know how that's going to be a blessing. I don't know how that's going to turn out well. But if we make it about us, we will never be about God. We will compromise everything that truly matters, which is the truth. We can't manipulate things to get what we want. When we are persecuted for the gospel, we've got to keep it by God. Just like Jesus. Jesus, Jesus could have been selfish, you know, and he could have been. The man Jesus could have acted in fleshly, worldly ways, but he didn't. And, and he could have made it about him when all those people left him, but he, but he knew they were going to leave him because God had done revealed it to him what was going to happen, and he knew this was about God. Everything Jesus did was about who? The Father. Gave him permission, gave him insight, gave him wisdom, and gave him direction. That's, are we to live any different? No. And then the last thing, number three, it says, we have to be able to discern between spiritual and the physical. Amen? 
We have to be able to discern. Why is, it, why is this important to us? Okay. Well, initially, if you have never met Jesus the Christ, the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world, you need to meet him. Amen? If you want to have eternal life, if you want him to say, Well done, my good and faithful servant, enter in thine rest. Or depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But what about the rest of us? What does this have to do with us? Because we portray who Jesus the Christ is. Amen? Not just Jesus the man, but Jesus the Christ. And the only way we can communicate Jesus the Christ is through the truth. Is that no man come to the Father but through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the key, he is the key to freedom. But we have to be able to discern between the spiritual and the physical to know how to influence as well as be influenced. You know, just be, the Bible says the natural man discerneth not the things of God. So if you're a spiritual man, you can discern the things of God, but don't think that the natural mind in this can't affect you. The Bible says that, that, that bad company ruins good character. People that we hang around. Here's the deal. Who's, who's to influence who? We're to influence people to Christ. And not just with weenies, but with truth. Not with, not with hobby horses, but with truth. Not with play school keys to the kingdom, but with truth. We're to introduce people to the... And you know what? We, we, try to, we, we give and we serve and we love, but we never want to communicate the truth. Why? Because we fear rejection. And Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. Do you believe that? Because here's the deal. If you're persecuted for Jesus' sake, then you're doing it right. But here's the deal. If they receive it, then another soul has just gained eternal life. And it was worth it. Just because you are now spiritually minded doesn't mean you can't be affected by natural mindedness, by the flesh. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. You are spirit and you still have flesh. And you have to keep your flesh in check by walking in the spirit, by reading his word, by praying. And there's no, there's no exact formula, but here's the deal. When you have a heart to do it, you'll figure it out. I told the men the other night at the men's meeting, you know what? We act like we don't know what to do when our marriages get, get bad. Yeah, you do. You got her. Go do what you already did. You won the girl. You done suckered her and have been with you for eternity. I mean, what did you do to do that? Well, go do that some more. Make her feel not so bad about spending eternity with you. You know what I mean? So you know what to do. You know all the smooth language and the things that she likes. I mean, all those things that you were willing to sacrifice to get her in the first place is what you need to do to keep her happy. Same thing with you women. Don't get married just all of a sudden turn ugly. You know, take care of yourself. And You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Don't, what I'm saying is don't quit caring. Neither one of you. Don't quit caring. Right? And just like a marriage, just like with Christ, which a marriage is a picture of Christ in his church. I mean, if you start off your marriage in a self-serving deal, it's going to end in disaster. Marriage is not a self-serving occupation. Amen? I'm not laughing, William. I'm very serious about what I'm saying this morning. 
Hmm. I don't want to ride a hobby horse. I ain't riding a hobby horse. I'm riding a stallion. But he's not Italian. <laughs> Actually, a mule. I like mules. But here's the deal. I want to become a more efficient rider. Amen? I don't want to think, well, I've got it all figured out. But I want people to look at me and say, that dude's on a real horse. He's running a real race. And I don't want people trying to emulate me by doing hobby horse things and stuff like that. I want them to emulate me. As I, as I follow Christ, I want them to follow Christ as well. Amen? That's, that's all. That wasn't just Paul's thing. That was Paul telling us, follow me as I follow Christ with a what? So that we could go out and reconcile people to Christ, not with weenies, but with the truth, and say, hey, here's the truth. And if you want Jesus, you got to be willing to die and repent and, and believe, and he will set you free. It's, it, man, it's a, there's a lot of things happen upon salvation. See, we, 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 we think, well, I've got to get all this done and then get saved. And then, No, you, when you get saved, Jesus will begin doing the doing. Amen? When you, when you surrender all, amen, when, when, when he becomes, you see, he says, you are, you are Jesus Christ. And, and they refer to him as Lord. They're like, you know what, we have nowhere else to go. We have no one else to go to. And you are worth giving everything that we have to follow because you're the real deal. You're not a fake. You're not an imposter. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Okay. Let's make this not intentionally painful, but meaningful. How many of you compromise when you live your life in front of your neighbors and your friends? How many of you, when the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to witness to this, this lady or this man, do you like you try to throw the, the, the weenies at them, you know, and you know, and but you don't you don't ever you, you beat around and never get to the truth. You know, there's a saying that says, you know, um, something to do with share the gospel without never saying a word. That's really bogus. Somewhere the word has to come into the equation so that people can know the gospel. And we, we, need to, we need to share the word in a way. Because we need to lead people to not Jesus the man, but Jesus the Christ. Where ultimate freedom is found. Where spiritual things are found. But what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? My deal is that we need to be representative whether you're a true Christian or not whether if you're not you need to become a true Christian but if you're a true Christian we need to live lives in a way that the word of God asks of us so that we can produce fruit and we can also produce fruit bearing Christians and uh, we have to understand here what's going on we have to be able to discern we have to be able to look and, and see fruit. Because if we, can't, if we can't discern people's relationship with God, I'm not saying 
I'm not saying that we're to go around saying you're going to hell, you're going to heaven, you're going to hell, you're going to heaven. But but the Bible, but Peter says, be be sober, be vigilant, your adversary. Right? We've got to have enough sense and wisdom to see that not everybody that just says they know Jesus the man knows Jesus the Son of God because they have fruit, right? And, and we are called to be fruit inspectors so that we know not to uh, let that fruit get in my garden. Amen? But we want to get our fruit into their garden. We want to, we want to plant seeds that's going to come to fruition because there's truth involved, not just, not just the physical fleshly things, but people need to know who Jesus the Son of God really is. And you know what? If we are violating everything that the, the, that the Son of God asks us to do, if we're not serving Him, if, if, uh, if, if we're doing everything contradictory to the Word of God, we have to ask ourselves, am I, am I lost or am I just living in rebellion? Because you can do that. You can be affected by this world. And you know what? I don't, I don't man, I don't, I don't want to lead a hobby horse procession around the world. I want to lead people to Christ. Because you know what, you, you know what, what's easier to ride, a horse that carries you or a hobby horse that you carry yourself? I, I want to be carried because I ain't good enough to carry myself. I need Jesus. I need the real deal. I need people to see the real Jesus in my life. I don't need to compromise my actions or my words or be afraid of the truth. I don't need to be fearful when, when the opportunity is there to proclaim the truth. You know what? My, my daughter put some stuff on Facebook the other day. You know what? That would, you, and at first I was like, oh, God, Callie, don't tell people on Facebook you got problems. You're a preacher's kid. You're supposed to be perfect. I didn't like it at first. I had to sit around and think about it. But here's the deal. She had problems. I had problems. But you know what? She came to her mom and daddy and she talked about them. And we worked them out. You know what? She's, she's moving on. Amen? Because that's something dad's always on me. He says, don't be, don't be, too, don't be false. Be open about, about you and your, your life. And, and because, you know what? If, you, if I portray to you that I'm a perfect man with perfect kids, and when you fall short of my perfection, you'll be saddened. When the reality of it is, is you shouldn't be striving for my perfection anyway. But the perfection of Christ. Amen? I can't carry none of you. I can't carry myself. But I know a man who can. And I know a man who can do more than just bless you here and there. He can change your life completely in every way. He can give you a hope when there is no hope. When our kids went crazy, we went to Jesus. When our marriage got in trouble, we went to Jesus. In every situation, all you got to go to, we have nowhere else to go. No one else to go to but Jesus. Son of God takes away the sins of the world. Bow your head and close your eyes. I'm just going to ask this simply. Who wants to know Jesus? 
not just the man, but the son of God. I've been there. I knew the man, but I didn't know the Christ. But when I knew the Christ, it changed everything. How many of you today say, I want to know Jesus the Christ? That's why no one's looking. Just lift your hands. Amen. Several people raised their hands today and said that they want to know Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But what about you, those of you that know Jesus? You say, you know what, I'm portraying a poor picture. Listen, I'm not asking you to be a, a, a portrait of your perfection, but be a portrait of Jesus' perfection. Not that you won't mess up, but when you do mess up, you handle it in biblical ways. In the ways that God asks you to do. Instead of trying to manipulate the situation yourself. And say I'm going to take it upon myself. To fix it. How many of you today would say I'm, so, I'm tired of trying to fix it myself. And I want to give it to the Lord to take care of. Anyone else? Amen. I want my altar ministry to come up here real quick. And this is what I want you to do. We're not going to tarry long. But if you said today, I would like to know Jesus, the Christ, I want to give you that opportunity. The Bible says that if we confess him before men, he will confess us before his Father. I want you to leave today with no insecurities, with no questions, with no wonderings. Do I know Jesus? And does Jesus know me? I want you to go home with that peace. That is the peace that passes all understanding. And those of you today say, you know what? I've been manipulating and I need to trust God. And submit and obey my Lord and Savior and do things the way he's asked me to do it. If that's you, I just want you to come to the altar and repent and say, Lord, give me the strength, the wisdom, and the direction to do what I need to do. But as we all stand, if that's you, if today you want to let, let, if you want to meet Jesus the Christ, come and just take one of these hands and say, today I've decided to follow Jesus. And if, that's, if you need to repent, y'all come to the altars. As we all stand, as Teresa leads us in a short worship.